Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You are Pastor Larry Dyer, and you've pastored a church there in the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex that is now here soon to become Harvest Church Dallas. And we're excited about um, the great change and transformation and really evolution that yes. is coming. Yes. Uh, you're a wonderful orator and, uh, and a wonderful encourager and, and a great singer, too, I'll throw in there, too. Uh, <laughs> one thing I, I appreciate most about you, and I've said this to you public or privately, and I've said this to the leaders that I've been with you uh, for years, and I will say it again even on our call tonight. One thing that I appreciate about you is your ability to be teachable. Some leaders, yes, sir. Uh, they, they know, I call it know-nothing, know-it-alls, where yes, they sir. know everything there is to know about everything, uh, yet uh, they realize that when you listen to them, they really don't know nothing uh, because the first thing a leader knows is that he doesn't know everything. A leader realizes, I got to live life as a student. That's how great leaders are. And so one of the, one of the things that I put above all other things is your ability to be teachable and coached. And, uh, and so it's, it's, my great, uh, it's my great joy. Uh, you know, some leaders, uh, you know, you have certain people where you may deal with them and, and they're not necessarily a great joy to deal with. It is my joy to deal with you and to lead you. Yes, and, sir. And Thank you. Moving forward. So, Thank you, Dan. So, so, so I Thank want you, to, my pleasure, son. So I, I want to say this. Talk to all of the pastors tonight. Again, we've got pastors all over. Many pastors listen to the replay, and some will listen to the, um, the, uh, the call. Talk a little bit about uh, just, you know, a little bit about your ministry history, number one. But then number two, talk about what's happened since your connection with me. Because I want, I want to leaders to understand the importance of being connected. And you've kind of already talked about that. But talk a little bit about the history and then talk about that connection. Bishop, thank you so much, and, and, and God bless you. Shalom to you, my dad. And that means just saying those words, that, that means a lot to me. To be connected to you, it's just it's a life sin, and I praise God for you. Uh, uh, shalom, every, everybody. Grace and peace be unto you. I am bo- I'm a Dallas native. I've, I'm born and raised here. Love everything about Dallas. Not everything, but most things. Uh, I did 20, 21 years with the Dallas Police Department. I retired as a sergeant, and the Lord uh, uh, impressed upon me to, to start a ministry. And I started the ministry back in 2002, and by 2007, I had over a 1,000 members. And uh, things were great. It was beautiful. But now that I know Bishop and now that I've been under his leadership, I realize how much I did not know. Um, in the course of time, took a ministry from 1,000 and it dropped down to 20 because of life 
didn't see a divorce coming, but the divorce came and got really, really down on myself. And I want to encourage somebody out there to tell you that the past is the past and it ain't close to being over. I don't care how big you have been and what failures that have come your way. You are connected to a man of God that will help you stop the bleeding. He will put a tourniquet on it. He will help you heal, and he will get you on the right path. Since I have been dealing with Bishop Foreman, and since the Lord has brought him into my life, I have totally submitted to him. And when I say total submission, I listen to, I, 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 I just, I wait with bated breath on instruction from him. And I want to tell you this, the instructions that I get from him, more times than not, they are challenging to me, to my very core, because we're men. I am an educated man. I am a, I'm a, I'm a sergeant. So I'm used to being the authority figure. But the greatest authority figure has to understand that there's always someone that can speak into you and that really knows you better than you know yourself. One of the things, Bishop, just small things he challenges me with. I'm from Texas, and we have this Texas draw. I had a, I had a propensity to say the word, yeah, 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 yeah. And it was, no, it was not meant to be disrespectful, but when you are amongst greatness, they don't allow you to do certain things. So Bishop has challenged me even with the yeah. Are we having conversation? He'll say something, and I'll say yeah. He'll say no. I'm like, oh, Bishop, yes, yes, yes. The smallest things that he has corrected. One of the, that's one. Here's something else I want to tell him, Bishop. I, I, I've had a thought because I reached such a pinnacle or what I thought was a pinnacle. I told Bishop, I said, Bishop, I wonder, is it going to be that way for me again? Bishop said to me, he said, you got to change your thinking. He said, that is what it was. He said, but even when it was what it was, there were still issues. He said, God is doing something new and he's challenging you to accept the new, forget the past and walk in the unlimited resources of God and walk in the greatness. Because if you're connected to me, you, if you're not great connected to Bishop Foreman, listen, please. If you're not great connected to Bishop Foreman, you're not connected to Bishop Foreman. Because it's impossible to be connected to Bishop Foreman and not walk in greatness. So the evolution, um, Bishop has, has, has loved on me. He's nurtured me. And now we're in the process of launching Harvest Church Dallas. And I am so excited. I've watched, the, I've watched things go on behind the scenes. And what I love about Harvest is, when you're out there and people are worshiping, they would never know that there are some things that went wrong because Bishop operates in such excellence. And I say now we operate in such excellence. And I'm talking to all the leaders on this phone, we are on this call. We operate in excellence. That means that even when things appear to go off without a, a, a hinge, we are trying to be better. And what I love about Bishop is he throws no one away and he challenges you. And can I tell you, there, there, he will say some things to you that are going to tick you off. But when, he, when you let them sink in and you listen and you adhere to what he says, you're going to grow. And I, I declare, I decree, your ministries are going to prosper, everything, and it has a lot to do with you, but it also has to do with who you're connected to. So, Bishop, I'm honored. I'm at a great place. Bishop has taught me to embrace my low times, embrace the process, and he challenged me, and it did, I didn't like this. He told me to enjoy the process. And I said, Bishop, how can I enjoy this mess that I'm in? 
He said, and you, we've heard it, God will take your mess and, me- and make a message. But also, mess, Messiah, mess, Messiah. He is part of your mess, but he'll bring you out of it and take you to greater heights. And so, Bishop, I'm at a great place. I'm so honored. And I want to tell everybody, one of the highlights of my, of my preaching, I've preached in Africa, I've, I've, I've preached all over, I've done all this, but Bishop invited me to preach during our national conference. If you were not there, shame on you. Well, no shame, no shame, but do what you can to make it to Aurora, to be a part of whatever he says be a part of. The oil is there. You're not going to get it watching it. You have to be a part of it. So, Bishop, thank you. That's so good. Sir. That's you, good. You, know, you, you said several things that I want. I want to. I want to. I want to pull out three of them in particular. Um, yes, because sir. I think it's so important. And, and one is what I wanted to highlight. One of the reasons that one of the things that I uh, I appreciate most about you is your ability to be teachable. Is because you know it's one thing to be teachable, never having achieved anything. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So. There, that's a teachability that sometimes comes with a level of a lack of experience, a lack of accomplishment, and, and some might even argue a level, some level of naivete. It is a different yes, level of true humility to be teachable after having accomplished something. I've discovered yes, sometimes the arrogant people are people who have been something. And yes. one of the things that I appreciate about that, and, and, and even just in you sharing your story, is that you know you accomplished some things that many many would love to accomplish. But one of the yes, things sir. that you brought it up, which is the second thing that I wanted to to bring to 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 clarity, is you talked about what used to be, and uh, yes, sir. And, and and you talk about, well, we did this, will it ever get back to that? And my comment to you, my my my, my instruction to you was that some, it wasn't. It couldn't have been as good as you thought it was. Um, yes, sir. <laughs> and then we began to deconstruct it. And I'm going to say that to a leader that's on the phone right now, is that some of you think, oh, man, it was really good back then. It couldn't have been as good as you thought it was. Uh, because no, sir. It's not, it, it, it's not still that. And anything yes. that is ever as good as we make it to be remains. And I think some of yes, the time, uh, at the end of the day, one of the worst things a leader can do is live in past successes because they are often an enemy to future success. Sometimes yes, what, what fuels a fear, a fear of failure isn't failure, it's past success. Will yes, future success ever look like past success? Talk about that because there's a leader that's probably listening that's like, you know, man, we experienced some great things and then things just went to hell in a handbasket. They went crazy. Talk about that for a moment um, to, to encourage a leader. Well, Bishop, I believe that God instills in us, whenever you're in, in a building project, and you know this, Bishop, whenever you're in a, build, in a building project, you have contingency plans. Because a contingency plan says that if this happens, we're still going to continue, and it's still going to be great, but there were some failures. There were some things that, that got messed up. Here's what I want to, here's what I, I, I know the Lord is saying, tell the people. You have done things that have not, that have not worked out. And some of us have fallen flat on our face. But I love the text because we're preaching about it right now, Bishop, that a righteous man can fall. And, and a lot of times we, we take that to mean righteous members, uh, uh, righteous people, but we are. We can fall as well. And when you fall, you have to realize there's a reason why you fail. 
And Bishop, I was so messed up by living in the, the success of the houses, the cars, the trips, and all of that, the sending you to Hawaii and all that stuff. But I was now knowing, Bishop, I was miserable. And so I, we, we, we went through a time where we lost things, but I am so much better for what I've gained because I've gained a spiritual father that is taking me to a place that says, son, don't even think about that. Really, when he says, behold, I'll do a new thing, first he tells you to forget the old things. So it's the word, right. Bishop. You have to forget right. that old stuff. And, and somebody on this phone, you're, 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 you're struggling right now, wondering will it ever be like it was. Can I give you a hard word? No, it won't. It won't. And praise be to God that it won't, because who you're connected to will not allow you to be who you were. Bishop told me something, and it rocked my world. He said, Pastor, you were good enough, and God graced you to, to get it, but you didn't sustain it. He said, so what now? And so what now is, let me look, Bishop, if you don't mind, I'd like to tell him about what now. What now is, I start from ground zero. I go through, I go through Harvest U. I go through uh, the apprenticeship, and I messed up on the apprenticeship, and it was a $100 mistake. But guess what? I didn't make it twice, and I called Bishop because, you know, I'm a pastor, and I, I okay, Bishop, here's what I, here's how I messed up. Thank you, Grace, and all this, and thought he was going to give me some grace. He said, oh, Pastor Dyer, that's good. Pay $100 again and go through the process. He said no shortcuts because think about it, Bishop. Sometimes we have people around us. They just want to be connected, but they don't want to get cut. They don't want to go through the pain. And so, uh, um, 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 Bishop, I, I, I went a little off, but I, I, I want to get back by saying whatever the failure, whatever it was, it was. Let's praise God for what is and for what is going to be. Thank you, sir. Absolutely. And I love uh, one of the things you said, and, and just to give context, because there may be leaders listening, like, well, what is Harvest You? What is apprenticeship? It's the okay. process yeah. that everyone through. Everyone. 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 And it, didn't, it didn't matter to me that you had passed it for years and years and years and years for the process of the thing. Because here's the way it works. Is I can you can't use a a uh, uh, a license to practice law in Texas. It doesn't work here. The reason no, it doesn't sir. work, uh, you can't use a medical license that you obtained in Colorado. Somewhere. So there's processes sometimes where you can get reciprocity with those licenses in, in some instances. But in many instances, those don't exist. And here's why. Uh, Colorado says, well, we don't care what Texas trains you on. We want to know that you know how we do it here. Yes, sir. Person. And so one of yes, the significant and this is for some leader tonight, is that whenever you're receiving people, people, if they won't receive your process, then they, they're not receiving you, the person. And that's yes, very sir. important to understand. Uh, it, whenever people won't go through your process, never give them promise. Because the reality is your process is what's designed to create the type of recipe you want. And so yes, sir. if you don't do that, people will bring their own recipe. And this is why sometimes organizations, cancer and growth look the exact same. I'm going to say that again. Yes, sir. Cancer and growth look the exact same. Some people will say they're experiencing church growth, but really what they have is cancer. What it is, yes. is it's a malignant growth that's a bunch yes, of foolishness going on, and simply because that's the place where the cancer is allowed to grow, uh, that it, it continues to grow. The problem with cancer is that eventually it will kill the body. I'm yes, going to say it again. 
eventually it kills the body. And so for some yes, leader, you may say, you, you may say, oh, we're experiencing a lot of growth. Make sure the growth you're experiencing isn't cancer. And that cancer yes, sir. looks like everybody bringing their own way, everybody got their own vision, everybody got their own way, their own approach, they're doing their own thing. And so what really happens is the pulpit has been hijacked. The person at the pulpit doesn't have power. The culture has power. So whatever yes, culture is created in your church, that's what has power. Who creates the culture? Well, it's whoever the influences are. Well, who are the influences? Aren't those the people on the front row uh, with leaders, t- titles, and, and things like that? No. They're the people that are the loudest that have the influence. Whoever has Bishop, the influence you, created the culture. Go ahead. Yes, sir. Bishop, you taught me this. And I, I have a, here's something else I, I, you, you'll learn, you will learn by spending time with Bishop Foreman. Whenever you come into his presence, be ready to write. Have your iPad, have something, because you're going to get something. You're going to get instruction. And he knows exactly what he's saying, and he has an expectation. And one of the things Bishop taught me is, if you don't correct, you create a culture. That messed me up. Because so many times I would not do something, Bishop, to correct somebody with just by saying, oh, well, you know, they mean good. Oh, well, that's just how they are. No. And I created a culture. I, Bishop, one time um, I ordained 30 elders and deacons. One time I did 30. The next time I did like 28. And to this day, only two of them are still a part of what we're doing. Why? Because there, there, was, no, there was nothing there in place and I should not have done that. The Bible says, lay hands on no man quickly. I was just giving people uh, a title. Bishop talks about giving a people title with no responsibility and giving somebody something that they haven't earned. And through this process, Bishop, I've learned so much. And I want to, here, here, here's another thing. Bishop talked about there's somebody that drove from Dallas to be in his presence. There's somebody that drove from L.A. to be in his presence. Whatever you have to do, get in the presence of Bishop Kevin Foreman. I call him the anomaly. He is a thing that no matter what it looks like, once he puts his brand or his mark on it, it's going to work. Short testimony, I made my way to Colorado. I did not have the money to get there, but I pressed and I got there. When we were there, I gave an offering. Didn't have a lot, but I gave what I gave. We went to lunch, and I was thinking, I do not want to go to lunch with Bishop Foreman, and I not pay. And it hurt me because it was my last amount, and I gave it. And I still had to go to the airport. I gave at that time. We went to lunch. As soon as we went to lunch, we left. And as soon as we went to lunch, about an hour later, what I gave to him had doubled. Someone had blessed me something. Someone blessed me with something for my daughters and for myself. I went to the airport, and a woman at the airport sat next to me and said, hey, I want to I give this to you. And it was a coupon for one of the nice restaurants in the airport that was like a $75 value. Now, she didn't know me. She had never spoken to me. But a couple of hours later, within a couple of hours, I had gotten four times. The next day at church, I mentioned <clears throat> what happened and how being connected to Bishop blessed me. And then a woman in the, in the, in the, in the body said, Pastor, last year I gave you money and you never cashed it. I want to give that to you again and gave it to me in cash. Within 24 hours, I had six times 
the amount of the seed that I sold into him. And it wasn't the fact that I sold. It was I sold in fertile, rich, magnificent ground. So get in the presence of Bishop Foreman. Don't come empty-handed. Thank you, Bishop. That's good. You, you said a whole lot. You said a whole lot, but I think so many great things. I think so many great things. But I love it because we're having this dialogue. I love it. And I'm going to get the leadership talk in just a moment, but so, so, so much great dialogue. And, and, again, just to be clear so that people don't get the wrong impression, especially if this is their first yes, time, I didn't tell you to say anything about sowing. I didn't tell you to mention that. I didn't even know you were going to mention that. But a testimony is the testimony. You know what the Bible says? We're coming in by the blood of the Lamb. That's done in the word of our testimony. So, uh, yes, that's a perpetual overcoming, and I think that's so important what you mentioned because even yesterday we were talking about folks that drove in from Dallas just to come to be in church, drove in from Los Angeles just to come to church. That Dallas drive is about 12, 13 hours. That Los Angeles yes. drive, I don't know how long it is, but I know it's at least 12 or 13 because I know it's at least the distance of Dallas, probably more. Uh, I'm not exactly yes, sure what that drive is. Uh, but they came just to come to church and turn right back around. And, in fact, were on prayer tonight saying they were stuck in traffic in Las Vegas getting back. They came here just to come to church. And I think oh, that, uh, that's a blessing. And to me that's, a, that's just amazing, especially in today's digital world where, you know, so many people stream, so many people do that, but they made a point to get there. And so I can't wait to see the testimonies that come in from people, even yes, yours, sir. again, from from one from one you know uh, from one seed and how quickly it produced. And if you remember, I told you I told you while we were there. I said uh, I said now I said I don't want to rob you of the harvest that comes from sowing. Yes, seed. sir. I, yes, sir. So I said yes, sir. So I said I don't want you to think I'm unaware of the particular situation at the moment. Uh, that uh, I said I don't want you to think I'm unaware. I said, but I also don't want to rob you of what comes because if I cover this, if I do this. That's the end of it. But if I let Let's you start. do this, uh, and so, and that's a word for somebody. You, you, you know, Paul said, I made you spiritually inferior to teach you the importance of giving. And, yes, Lord. Uh, and so I believe in giving. When you sow into debt freedom, you get debt freedom. It's just that simple. Yes, and, sir. Uh, and so praise God for that. One last thing that you mentioned I want to, I want to talk about, and then I'm going to get into this leadership talk. Really good. Yes, Seven sir. stones every leader needs. That's what I'm going to talk about and, uh, for about 15 minutes. Seven stones every leader needs. Every leader needs some stones, and I'm going to give you seven of them. You need some things to throw at stuff, and I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you these seven stones. But let me say this. Uh, you mentioned about how I talked about uh, yeah, and, uh, and, and I was talking about the importance of how, how we speak. And, and one of the things I just want to say, because some people say, oh, you know, just hearing that without context, they may hear that and say, oh, that's just extreme. It doesn't take all that. But when you're a person of excellence, you realize that what you say and what you do creates a culture around you. I'm going to say it again. What you say yes, and sir. what you do creates a culture around you. And one of the things that I think is of the utmost importance is when you're a leader, think about it. Uh, when you go to a certain restaurant, I won't call the name, but when you go to a certain restaurant, they, they uh, uh, or, or a certain drive-through, I don't eat fast food, I haven't eaten fast food in uh, six years now, but, but when uh, you go to a certain drive-through, I remember they say this, uh, welcome to Bless and So. Uh, how may I serve you? You go to another restaurant, um, and, and they're a higher. They tend to people, people t they do very well in terms of their business, and the people tend to look at them as a as a higher quality experience. Another restaurant, uh, yeah, what is it? You know, what's your order? Can I take your order? You know, this kind of deal. The language you use creates culture. Did you know that uh, the first thing you do whenever you were trying to colonize people 
is you deal with their language. You deal with the way they speak. Yes. Uh, you yeah. see this happen even uh, when Britain uh, uh, dealt with some of the uh, island countries and the Bahamas, etc. They were once under British rule. Well, they, they began to change their language, how they spoke. You even saw this with slavery, how the language and how they spoke and what they called one another. You see it in the scripture uh, that they didn't call uh, uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. That was their Babylonian names, but they changed them from their Hebrew names, Hananiah, and Mishael, and that's right. They change their names. So the way we speak as leaders creates a culture. And I always want to create a culture where we're bringing the best out of people. I want to bring the yes, best sir. out of people. We've got to create that language. And for many people, they see that in a very different way, you know, especially in today's culture because it's very casual. And I get casual. But at the same time, yes, sir. if you want to create a culture of excellence, you've got to create a language of excellence. And so yes, talk sir. about that real quick, about, about some of those changes and how they just, just from you as a man, how some of those changes have just impacted you as a man. Well, it's caused me, Bishop, thank you, sir. It has caused me to check myself. So I, I, I speak to people of means. I speak to people on, on, on several different levels. And I consider myself an articulate man, but understanding that there is a, a comfortability in just the word, yeah. It's passive. It's not, it does not honor. And, 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 and you teach honor in everything. So there, I would not, but Bishop, if I was in front of uh, President Barack Obama, or somebody, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't be saying yeah. I, I wouldn't do that. And I wouldn't want that for someone speaking to me. When we really want the best, we become the best. And to become the best, you have to change so many things about yourself. And I challenge myself now. And what it has done is it spilled over to where I have the word and I carry it around with me. And I say yes to everybody. Now I say, yes, I don't say yeah, because it has, it, it's, you've challenged me, Bishop, to go deeper and higher. And Bishop, uh, I even like to say that, uh, when you, when you were here last time, there was a particular place we were going to go eat. But when you saw the place, there was something about the appearance of the place that was not right. And you said, you said to me, and I got a lesson out of it. You said, Pastor Dyer, I'm not saying the food's not good, but the appearance is not right. And if the appearance is not right, it's, I'm not going to participate. And I was blown away because you chose, you made a decision saying, I'm not going in there because of the appearance. And that's what the lesson there is, uh, uh, people of God, we have to understand the way we carry ourselves, even to the way we say things. People are looking, and they're taking note, and we have to want better, and we have to do better in order to receive better. So, Bishop, thank you for that. Absolutely. My pleasure. So we, we covered a lot of good things, and that was really good. I want to I jump into this. I want to pray and jump real quickly, leaders. Uh, we have now been on our call for uh, about, uh, oh, let's see here, 39, 40 minutes. And so I just want to take about 10 to 15 minutes to share this leadership talk with you. You'll be able to call back and listen to the replay of the call, the same number you dial in. But in addition to that, you will also be able to get this on a leadership podcast you can go to iTunes, iHeartRadio, it's all it's distributed everywhere now, and, uh, and be able to participate. Let's pray. Father, we honor you and bless you. We thank you for this time. We thank you for uh, this great day, uh, and we thank you for all of the great and awesome things that you're going to speak. Thank you for these leaders. Thank you for this call designed 
to help leaders go further, faster in this year of acceleration, this time of acceleration. I pray that you customize, tailor-make this leadership talk for all of us this day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Listen, I want to teach from this thought for just a moment. Seven stones every leader needs. Seven stones every leader needs. Now, uh, I want to use this scripture, 1 Samuel 7 and 12. And again, you may be listening to this, and maybe you're a business owner, you're a senior pastor, you're a leader in a church, an associate pastor, uh, you're an executive entrepreneur. The principles that we're going to extract are going to be very potent. So I encourage you to write these things down. I'm going to hit them very quickly and uh, and give you some substance to them uh, because I think that the principles themselves are going to speak loudly. And sometimes you let the bold give, and when the bold principle gives, um, then the rest uh, fills itself in, all right? 1 Samuel 12. Then Samuel, Samuel, of course, is a man of God. He's a prophet. He had the school of the prophets. He also uh, was the man who uh, uh, selected Saul and then subsequently David uh, as king of the nation. Then Samuel took a stone and set it up between Mitzvah and Shin and called its name Ebenezer, saying, Thus far, Old King James says, Hitherto the Lord has helped us. New King James says, Thus far the Lord has helped us. Uh, At the end of the day, uh, life and leadership is about decisions. The Bible, in fact, is not a book about destiny. Destiny implies that you reach a certain destination. And that also implies that it does not involve human choice or human involvement. I want to submit to you that life and leadership are not really about destination. Listen, leaders, it is really about choices. It's about decisions. Life and leadership is about decisions. And while we like to attribute everything that happens in our lives and in our leadership journey to God and on God in in things that we may deem to not be as positive, we have to take self-assessments to determine things that we could have had done better or looked at differently. And I want to give you some statistics and several sources of these statistics that echo one another. Over 1,700 pastors left the ministry every month last year. 4,000 new churches uh, open each year while 7,000 close, which means there's a net deficit of 3,000 churches a year. The profession of, quote, pastor, end quote, is near the bottom of most respected professions, just above car salesmen. 66% of church members expect a pastor and family to live to a higher moral standard than themselves, which is a very misguided expectation. Uh, most hairdressers don't have great hair. Most doctors have uh, issues with their body, and some lawyers run into legal trouble. But uh, people expect pastors, who we've just learned that they place at the bottom of respected professions, they expect pastors to operate at a higher uh, level of morality and a moral standard uh, than themselves. Fifty percent of pastors feel so discouraged they leave the ministry if they could, but they have no other way of making a living at the time. Fifty percent of pastors starting out won't last five years. One out of every ten pastors will actually retire as a pastor in some form. That means 90 percent of pastors that start don't end up as a pastor at the end of their lives. Seventy percent of pastors constantly fight depression. Forty percent report a serious conflict with a member at least once a month. 70%, 75%, excuse me, of pastors report significant stress-related crises at least once in their ministry. Doctors, lawyers, and pastors have the highest problems, uh, the most problems, rather, with drug abuse, alcoholism, and suicide. All of those professions, doctors, lawyers, and pastors, 
about helping people, yet they report having severe problems with drug abuse, alcoholism, and suicidal thoughts, 85, and suicide itself, to be frank. 85% of pastors said their greatest problem is that they're sick and tired of dealing with problem people. 90% of pastors said the hardest thing in ministry is dealing with uncooperative people. So it's my hope with today's leadership talk, seven stones every leader needs that uh, with a little transparency today that you're going to learn, that you're going to grow as a leader. Experience is not the best teacher. Somebody else's experience is, and it costs you less. All you have to do is listen to somebody else's mistakes and failures and accidents and disappointments and learn from them. I read a quote today. I don't know who to attribute it to, but I will quote it. Perhaps you know who came up with it. I don't know who to attribute it to, but I read a quote today. It says, smart people learn from their own mistakes. Wise people learn from the mistakes of others. So it's my endeavor that today you walk with a great level of wisdom because these are seven stones that every leader needs, but I really want to throw this subtitle on it. These are seven things I do differently. As of the time I'm recording this particular leadership talk, I've been in vocational ministry since receiving my call to ministry. Now, I believe October uh, will be going into 21 years. I'm celebrating 12 years as a senior pastor, and in November uh, of this particular year, I'll be celebrating 12 years as a bishop. I had been in business and entrepreneurial and organizational management for years. And, and so I've built, been building things and creating jobs and creating businesses and organizations for years. So I wasn't new to it, so to speak. I was true to it. But there's so many great lessons that I learn, and I learn every day. And I want to share seven things that I do differently, but really there's seven stones that every leader needs. Every leader needs some stones. Here's the first one. I wouldn't be so ticklish. I wouldn't be so ticklish. If you're taking notes, write this down. If you're not taking notes, write this down. You tickle someone order in order to get a response from them. And when you're ticklish, you will make insignificant people significant. Now, I'm not saying that a person is not significant because they don't have worth or value. I'm just saying they're insignificant uh, juxtaposed to what you're called to do. By subconsciously responding publicly to ignorant and uninformed criticisms by people whose baseless opinions were of no value. That's what I mean. See, most people misunderstand the job of a pastor. It's the hardest job in the world if you're not called by God. And even if you're called by God, you need God to get you through it. It's a fact that people will lie on you, make up stuff about you, criticize you, uh, uh, things that you do, criticize things that you don't do, and most of it doesn't deserve a response. Leaders, don't be so ticklish. Sometimes you just have to look at the fruit of the lives of the people throwing their stones and hiding their hands, and enough is said. Don't be so ticklish. Number two, I would have listened to Jesus' words more carefully. I would have listened to Jesus' words more carefully. Matthew ten sixteen says this, Behold, I set you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. Therefore, be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. I would have listened to those words more carefully. Now, remember uh, the opening text, if you will, for what I'm sharing with you leaders today, 1 Samuel seven twelve. They set a stone there and said, the Lord has helped us thus far. Every time they were helped to another place in their journey, they set a stone there. It was a way to commemorate. So when I say seven stones that leaders need, these are really seven lessons that leaders need to help you to go further. All right? The lesson for uh, uh, the second point, I would have listened to Jesus' words more carefully. The lesson is really for senior spiritual leaders. And here's what I mean. It's a fact. Especially if you're a pastor, but especially when you're a senior pastor, lead pastor. It's a fact that people will suck you dry for encouragement, assistance, counsel, prayer, guidance, 
and then treat you like yesterday's trash. But Jesus gave the approach we should have. Be wise as a serpent. A serpent in Scripture means deceiver. Deceiver. They said, be wise. What's wisdom? The appropriate application of knowledge. They said, don't be so naive, Jesus was saying. He was saying, think like a liar, but don't be one. Think like a deceiver, but don't be one. And he said, consider the people that are around you like they're wolves. Now, this is really interesting because if you take this to one extreme, you can become a very cynical leader. That's not the like type of leader you want to be. When you're cynical, you're paranoid, you're normally angry, you're moody, you don't want to be that type of leader. Jesus said, be wise as a serpent. He says, be smart as, be wise as, because remember, wisdom is the appropriate application of knowledge, as a liar, but don't be a liar. He says, don't think that everything people say, though, is the truth. Don't think that every person that says, I love you, means they love you. Sometimes they love what you can do for them. And he says, you're like a, a uh, 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 I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. He says, consider the people around you to be wolves. He wasn't saying to not care for, to not love, to not believe in. He was just saying, if a wolf was around you right now, you'd probably be careful about what you did, how you did it, when you did it. You'd govern yourself. If you grew up in the old school church, they said, govern yourself accordingly. If the, you were around wolves, you'd govern yourself accordingly. Listen to Jesus' words more carefully. That's what he told his leaders. I send you out as sheep amongst wolves. So you need to be wise as a serpent. Think like a liar, but don't be one. Number three, here's uh, seven things I do differently, but really seven stones every leader needs. I would have quit the rescue rangers. See, when I make a commitment to care for and love someone in any capacity, I really mean it. And I think you're probably that same way. You know, people say it like this, I love hard, right? Uh, if I had a $20 bill or a $100 bill in my hand right now, you could stomp on it, you could spit on it, you could put dirt on it, you could put mud on it, you could write on it, but guess what it still is? It is still a $100 bill. The way Jesus looks at us is that even after everything we've been through, we're still valuable. And so that's the way I view people. I don't throw people away. And every man or woman of God will have people walk away from them no matter how well you treat people. And even Jesus experienced this. Think about it. Judas, Peter, and Thomas after all Jesus had did, he, he had really only one in John that the scripture calls the beloved disciple. Judas betrayed him. Peter denied him. Thomas doubted him. These were guys that spent three and a half years of their lives every day, the majority of those days, around Jesus, and they still didn't get it. Literally, cumulative weeks and months and years, you sometimes seemingly waste, but in divinity, you're not wasting time, leaders. It's really seed that you're sowing. And I can say as a leader, I tried to help and rescue too many people when sometimes you have to be like a waterfall. You're not Bishop Saber somebody. You're not Pastor Saber somebody. With a waterfall, things that get too close to the spigot or the source of the water, sometimes they stop getting wet. And sometimes what you have to do, leaders, is you have to cycle people in. You have to bring new ones in and push other ones out. Why? Because they stop getting wet because they're so close to you. They stop getting affected by your voice and by your influence, and they don't understand the great value that they have been given. People forget that you walk with them and love them and didn't judge them and held their hand when they cried and, and hugged them when they cried and helped them get past their loved one's passing. And the truth is that hurts. That hurts when you're a leader. And I've always invested in people. I did this all the way back to elementary school. And guess what? Sometimes people move on. Sometimes people leave. Sometimes people quit you. Sometimes people give up. But it didn't start hurting 
when people treated uh, 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 treated me poorly until I became a pastor, and then even as a bishop, a pastor to pastors. That's when it really started to be painful for me because I I really was practicing a rescue ranger uh, 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 mission. I was acting like a rescue ranger. And every action that I ever took as a leader, I'm not perfect, but every action that I ever took as a leader was always out of love. Every warning, everything I gave, every word of correction, every message was always done from a place of love. But I would have quit the rescue rangers. Every leader, listen, this is the storm you need. You are not Jesus. Their emergency doesn't necessarily mean it's your emergency. You are not the rescue rangers. And I encourage you to quit that today. Here's number four. I wouldn't have left anything unsaid. I wouldn't have left anything unsaid. Uh, a pastor's father recently died, and the last thing he said to them wasn't very nice. And while, you're, uh, uh, while we sometimes are sitting there in assumption or sitting there in unspoken words, Job 14.5 says, Since his days are determined, the number of his months is with you. You have appointed his limits so that he cannot pass. Uh, the reality is, and sometimes as leaders, we leave things unsaid. And it could be a small thing like, good job, or I appreciate you. Or, uh, you know what, I want you to know I care about you. Sometimes as leaders, we leave things unsaid. Never leave words on the table. I'm going to say it again. To be an effective and great leader, never leave words on the table. Number five, six, and seven, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to do five, six, and seven as part two, as part two of the seven stones that every leader needs. I pray you've been impacted by part one. Again, the bowl was so powerful that I encourage you to go back and really listen to it. These are seven stones every leader needs, but here's the truth. There are really seven things I would do differently. Let's close this time out together. Father, thank you for these great leaders. Thank you for the light. I pray that today's uh, call and today's leadership talk that it equipped them to go further, faster, so that they would be everything that you were ordained for them to be. We thank you for it now. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Listen, everybody, pray you have a phenomenal day. Stay connected. We'll be texting you. Uh, make sure you share this. If you're listening to it, the replay on our conference call, make sure you share it. Or if you're listening to it in the Bishop Foreman Leadership Podcast, please share it. Even leave some great feedback to let us know that your life's being impacted. It's my pleasure to pour it into you today, and I pray uh, that you'll join us for the next one. I'm going to do part two of seven stones that every leader needs. It's going to be good. Don't you dare miss it. Shalom.